Welcome to Crab Takes in Football. This is what the Baltimore Sports Report does. I'm TK, joined as always by Andrew Holly. Holly, how we doing, man? Gross day on the East Coast here. Yeah, it's a, it's a just rainy and welcome to November 2020. Continues to suck, you know. Although, you know, there's some. I guess you should. We we shouldn't say that. I mean, depending on where you stand in the election, you might be very happy. Um, you know, and all that, all that jazz, you know, but in the end, we still have coronavirus, shitty weather, and I don't know, but at least we have the Ravens, right? Yeah, we got the Ravens moving to six and two after a 24 to 10 win against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, the Ravens first win in Indianapolis in franchise history, or I guess this franchise's history, um, kind of a clunker of a first half. But uh, the Ravens really turned it on in the second half and uh, kind of finished with a uh, kind of a dominant win in in my mind in that second half. Uh, So we're going to go through back to our usual format for the episodes, talking about the offense, defense and special teams. We'll hand out a game ball, um, talk about our pop of the week, um, put somebody on the bulletin board for next week's game, Sunday night football at the New England Patriots and talk about our overreaction of the week as well. So we get to the offense and there's a lot to talk about in the offense uh, this week as we sit here on Thursday the 12th, whether it is on the field or off the field in a interview in an interview with Rich Eisen. Uh, Lamar was a very busy guy. Uh, The second, the first half was pretty forgettable, you know, very, very, uh, inactive first half i'll say but the second half much better uh what are some of the things that you saw uh, on sunday uh that you liked maybe disliked and want to see going forward well i think the first you know that that first half offense was more of the same um and and you know i i think it was certainly refreshing to see the difference you know finally kind of seeing that ravens offense again um, now, certainly that was a heavy dose of the running game, which is fine. We've got that's how we've got to establish our offense. So, I mean, it was finally getting back to that similar tempo um, that we had last year. And that was the, really the key for me. Yes, um, the tempo that was added in the second half was Really, really nice to see. Pretty refreshing. You know, we haven't really seen that all year. It's been kind of grind out the clock, um, you know, getting to the line of scrimmage late, running the motion, and then run the play. And this one, it was much, much faster than what we're used to seeing. Um, I thought that with that tempo, uh, Lamar looked a lot more decisive, and he was... Even like in his dropbacks, you can kind of see a change in his uh, demeanor. I thought he was playing with a lot more conviction, um, kind of just playing instead of, you know, having to to go slowly and thinking. And, you know, they just got to play football. And, and I think that was what kind of kicked things into gear is less thinking. Just go do your job and, uh, you know, pick up first downs. And that first drive, unfortunately, uh, ended with the fumble, obviously. But. It was a really, really encouraging way to start the second half. Yeah, I, I, I mean, like you said, I mean, the, the tempo, it just seeing Lamar seemingly 
get comfortable. And I mean, look, he only threw for 170 yards, but he was 19 of 23 passing the football. So it's not like, you know, he was, he was poor at all. He just didn't really have that, you know, that monster game through the air, but then, you know, that, that, that's because Lamar is Lamar. And of course he's running, running the ball like he can. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just, you definitely saw, I think at certain points, a bit of an effort to get the ball to Hollywood, Mm -hmm. which was, which was good to see, you know, and, and generally, you know, he was able to spread the ball around, but I still, you know, you're still not seeing Mark Andrews involved as much as he was uh, last year. You're still, we still had some downfield threat last season. I feel like that, that isn't there yet. And whatever that is that, you know, as we hopefully continue to establish some of the run game, if we can then start to exploit that additional speed we have with Devin DuVernay, obviously the speed with, with Hollywood, you know, and maybe, and maybe start to, you know, take advantage of some of the size of, of even a, a Des Bryant or God forbid, Miles Boykin do something, but you know, <laughs> I, I, it definitely starts with the running game, and it's good to see them at least getting back to that and seemingly doing it in a comfortable way. Because it's not like they weren't running the football up until now, but it was it was back to that effective tempo that that has has worked so well, you know, last year. Yeah, for sure. I think the, the one of the other main adjustments that were made that was made uh in the second half was keeping an extra tight end extra extra fullback whether it's Boyle Ricard or Andrews in to help the offensive line um protect Lamar a little bit I think going a little bit heavier um the Ravens were able to take advantage of more of like a speed defense that the that the Colts have um you know, they were able to protect Lamar a lot better when he was uh, dropping back to pass. And in and, and those first two drives that looked so good, um, a lot of those were like those quick three-step dropbacks and fire. Uh, and, you know, don't even let the pass rush get there. Allow Boyle and Ricard to do their thing and pass protection, which was nice. Um, obviously, he had the really nice uh, touchdown run uh, to, I believe those were the last, the, the kind of, what put the game out of reach. Um, but really nice play, well blocked by the Ravens, well called by Greg Roman. I think that uh, everybody was looking for a run up the middle there in a short yardage situation. But, uh, you know, Lamar just beat everybody to the corner and, and got the nice seal block from uh, Andrews uh, that ended up being the pancake, which was really nice to see from him. But I, I thought the second half was extremely well called by Greg Roman. Uh, there's a lot of pressure on him now after some some comments that uh, that Lamar made with Rich Eisen. But yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, the Ravens still barely got to 110 yards on the ground. Uh, you know, the running game that we were expecting with Dobbins and Edwards. You know, Dobbins was averaged two and a half yards a carry. Gus Edwards as 2.1 yards a carry. Yeah. So, you know, not ripping off those huge chunks that we got used to seeing, uh, especially right after the Steelers game and, and a, a defense that we thought was really good at stopping the run. That Colts defense was pretty good, too. And, um, you know, the Ravens just had to kind of do it in different ways. And those quick 
tempo passes that those rhythm passes from Lamar kind of really opened things up in that second half. And, you know, I would love to continue to see that. I know that that's not going to be the only look uh, that we get uh, as, as the Ravens go to new England, but you know, you know, at this point that they have it in their back pocket, you know, that it's something that they can go to to kind of change things up and, and shake things up for the offense uh, if, if they stall a little bit. So it was good to see, uh, the passing game in some ways uh, being a little bit more effective than running, especially in that second half uh, to start off. And, and you know, it, once once it got out of hand, they kind of went into cruise control and, and went after the clock a little bit. Uh, if you look at the time of possession in the third quarter, 13 minutes, the Ravens had the ball. And, and uh, you know, that's what kind of ended up putting the nail in the coffin on the game. Absolutely. And that's Ravens football. I mean, right mm-hmm. there. That's that's the mo. Um, you know, and not that I know we're going to transition over to our defense in a minute, but you know, one of my takeaways just overall in this game was really how good, how much better the Colts were than I really thought. And he, and he, I, you know, I thought they were going to win. I mean, we talked about that last week, so it's not like I came in thinking they were going to be terrible or anything. But they're a decent football team, so it felt good to come away with a somewhat decisive win um, just based off the fact that, let's face it, the good teams we've played this year have beat us. So, you know, at least felt good to think, okay, this this seems like somewhat of a legit team. I think Phillip Rivers is probably still somewhat questionable as a starting quarterback at times. But I'll tell you what, Darius Leonard is a player mm-hmm. on defense. That man is a, he's a beast. Yeah, yeah, that whole defense. Like we said, there's a lot of guys that you maybe not have heard of or haven't heard of many guys on that defense, but they can play, man. Danico Autry, I thought, was a beast all afternoon. Um, he gave he gave the offensive line fits in the first half, and I, like I said, they had to end up bringing in more protection to, to match protect and go heavy uh, to, yeah. to take him and Buckner out of the game a little bit. But, yeah, they can play. Um, you know, we always say the defense wins championships, defense travels. That's a defense that could travel and, and wreak some havoc if they're able to sneak into the playoffs. Um, Absolutely. I mean, not sneak in. Uh, I think at this point they are in that second wild card spot, if I'm not mistaken. But um, uh, real quick, they're taking on the Titans this week, and and I think that is to uh, at least make mm-hmm. the division race very very interesting. So it's a good team, you know. Like like you said, maybe let's just flip it over to to the defense now. Uh, Philip Rivers did a decent job uh, early on uh, carving up the Ravens defense. I think everybody was a little bit caught off guard with uh, Calais Campbell going down early. Uh, A lot of the players weren't able to practice. There were Zoom meetings. We didn't have Marlon Humphrey. You know, the the deck was stacked against the defense this week. And uh, they came out with a really, really impressive performance. They did. I mean, I, you know, I'll tell you what, seeing Calais Campbell go down, I mean, oh my God. I mean, my stomach was in my throat for a while. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, it, so, I mean, the, the fact that, yeah, it, it's going to be a few weeks, but hopefully he should be okay, you know, certainly for the playoffs. I mean, you know, I, this, this may sound stupid and, and, and in some respects, it's, it's the same thing I was talking about with with Stanley last week you know losing losing Campbell at least for certainly for the short term may end up being 
the best of both worlds for the Ravens. And I say that in the sense that, you know, hopefully when Campbell comes back, he'll be refreshed, he'll be be healed, and he'll be ready to go uh, to finish out the season. So it's somewhat of a respite for a for an older player um, on the roster. You know, secondly, it gives some of those young players uh, the benefit of some game time before the playoffs. So, you know, we can continue to get that depth and we have the excitement of knowing at least, hey, well, Calais Campbell is, is coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I think, you know, certainly while you don't want any injuries, you know, in some respects, this could turn out to be a positive. Yeah, yeah. One of those guys that we're going to end up seeing a lot is Justin Matabike. And I thought he was really good on Sunday. Dude, he's going to be a player. Um Agreed. I, I'm not sure how else to say it, but his power and speed combination, uh, he's going to be really good. I thought that all three of Patrick Queen, Malik Harrison, and Chris Board were really impressive Big uh, in, in, in the middle of the defense. Uh, Malik Harrison particularly, um, he was put in a tough spot uh, with, with like a lot of quick-hitting routes and things like that uh, from the Colts' offense, but I think he really showed well. Um, he's showing some some really good uh, tape as a as a rookie. Chris Board, I thought was really good, and, and Queen, of course, has been a force uh, all season long. So it was really good to see all three of those guys uh, contribute with uh, with LJ Fort, the veteran, uh, not available with the finger injury. So you know, there's some depth there. We have you know we still have uh, Justin Ellis uh, and Broderick Washington, uh, you know, that weren't even active for the game. So I think the defensive line is going to be okay. Of course, you don't love to see Calais Campbell go down, but like you said, there could be some good that comes out of it. Uh, some of these younger guys, uh, some of the less heralded guys getting some, some quality snaps. I mean, we've certainly got to hope so. And you, and you called it, man, the linebackers. I'll tell you what, all three, I think, had their moments to shine. Malik Harrison certainly stepped up. And this is the time of year we were thinking we might start to see Harrison more and more Mm -hmm. start to step up. So, you know, again, I mean, and nothing against LJ Ford, but this could be the, you know, that point where we stop seeing Ford as much, you know, even as well as he was playing, you know, on defense because Malik Harrison just starts to pop more and more uh, on film. So um, that, and, and think about that. I mean, not that, not that Fort was playing poorly or anything like that, but you get a guy like Harrison who can really start to 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 shine, and then you get Queen continuing to do what he's doing, and I'm, let's go. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, the linebacker core is really good. I did want to mention, I think before last week's game, right after the Ravens had traded for Yannick and Glockway, we were thinking, man, they got a ton of outside linebackers now. Does that mean fewer snaps for Patrick Queen, especially on third down? And mm-hmm. last week, I think, was the first time that he played 100% of the snaps uh, in a game. And this week, he played another really high percentage of snaps. Um, let's see if I can find his number. He played 85% of the snaps, which is certainly higher than it was earlier on in the season. I think that's a really good indication of how they feel about his progression, especially in. Uh, passing situations and uh, you know that's obviously a really good sign but uh, the guy whose snaps went down drastically 
was uh, Tyus Bowser. He only played 15 snaps, uh, 22% uh, of, really? uh, of the defensive snaps. Um, so it seems like Ngakwe's addition has meant a uh, playtime reduction for Bowser, which I think is very interesting because, one, uh, Bowser was playing really well, both getting after the passer and, as we noted, uh, in, in some third-down pass defense. And also, I mean, what does that mean for his free agency? You know, is that, you know, it, since he's not playing so much, does that keep his potential price tag down uh, from a team perspective? You know, that kind of stinks for him. But, you know, from a team perspective, does he become a little bit more affordable? Because they say, hey, man, like you didn't really play that much in the second half of last year. Well, and then you also have to look at as good as as he has been playing. If we have LJ Fort, Chris Board, Patrick Queen, and Malik Harrison at inside linebacker, who, who can all play you know, that coverage linebacker role generally. And then we've got uh, Ferguson and we've mm-hmm. got Ngakwe. And obviously we still have Judon. I mean, there's, I can see why he's the one that's not, or that's losing out rather on snaps. I mean, I, it it's, Somewhat surprising, but at the same time, when you think about it, um, I mean, Patrick Queen probably covers a little bit better than Bowser. I would think. Certainly certainly more athletic, it seems like. Yeah. It, it, I just kind of feel bad because he was having it, you know, he, probably he his was. best season I mean, as no, a pro. I, I, feel, I, I feel you there. I mean, it's definitely, definitely a... Uh, a disappointing development on his end. I mean, we'll just have to see if that continues to be the case too. Um, You know, I will say from a selfish perspective, you know, it probably really helps our special teams, you know, in some respects to have a guy like Bowser not be playing as much defense. Um, And with, with the depth that we appear to have lost throughout the season on, on special teams, that's probably a good thing in some ways. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm grasping there, but I, I'm certainly glad we have Ngakwe. Yeah, yeah. He's been really – like, he hasn't shown up much in the stat sheet yet, but you can he, see his oh, influence on the pocket. Can taste, he can taste – he's been able to taste a couple sacks. Yeah. He just he, hasn't – he just hasn't finished the deal. Yeah, you can feel it. I mean, whether it's – like, it may not even be – counting as a quarterback hurry but you could tell sometimes there was just a couple times where philip rivers got rid of the ball a little bit faster than he wanted to Mm -hmm. um and you know the the throw ended up being inaccurate and you know not going to show up in the stat sheet unless you know you you make contact or, or you know it's very obvious but so far it looks like both of the quarterbacks that he's faced uh can feel him coming and um you know, the, eventually that's going to turn into stat sheet production. But, you know, as long as he's having some influence on the pocket with our playmakers on the back end of the defense, uh, it's going to continue to uh, end up in big plays for the Ravens. Uh, they had two, of course, uh, last week. Uh, one was the early 
fumble forced and fumble recovery, uh, which was huge. I thought that uh, just staying in the game score-wise was a big win for the Ravens Absolutely. instead of being shut out in the first half. Uh, you know, I think that that kind of changes the mood a little bit. Uh, you know, obviously Chuck, Chuck Clark with a very nice return. And then uh, the Marcus Peters interception. I, um, I mean, dude, I, how good is Marcus Peters? Dude, what a beast. We Yeah, I, didn't we call it? We called the interception. We didn't call the forced fumble. But I uh, just, he is, I mean, we talked about, I mean, I talk about it all the time. Now we have, we, you know, we were missing a closer on defense. I mean, dude, there it is. I mean, it's, I, he's our Ed Reed right now. I mean, I mm-hmm. hope, and I, I'm glad we signed him, obviously, and I hope we continue to keep him because he, he is fantastic. I yeah. Say enough. Speaking of Ed Reed, Marcus Peters, 30 interceptions in his first career, 85 games. The only two other players to do that are Ed Reed and Deion Sanders. No um, way. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's those three. That's some pretty fun company there. All, all, um, uh, all Hall of Fame Ravens too, right? Yeah, yeah. Deion Sanders in the <laughs> Hall of Fame as a Raven. I mean, when you think of when you <laughs> think of Deion Sanders, you definitely think about uh, his Hall of Fame Ravens career. I mean, there's no. And about he has it. another he has another connection to to this week, which we'll bring in bring up later. I'll let you mull over that one if you can figure that one out. Oh, interesting. Um, interesting. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Yeah, the defense really good. I, I thought a really interesting comment from Philip Rivers after the game was that uh, the Ravens defense ended up playing a lot of cover two, which means that uh, on the back end, the two safeties kind of split the field in half and, and uh, you know, kind of drift back and guard against the deep ball uh, there. And then you have your your three linemen and your and your rush linebacker. And then the five other defenders are kind of just available to roam the middle. Um, you know, you have your corners, your nickel corner, and your and your middle linebackers, and they kind of sit in that middle intermediate to short route area. And what we knew about the Colts was that Phillip Rivers gets rid of the ball really quickly, which means shorter routes. So a, the Ravens team that doesn't play a lot of cover two um, allowed those five intermediate and short defenders to kind of just sit there and let, you know, yeah, you can have three, four yards, but you're not gonna, you're not gonna have big plays on us. And you, you saw it with a lot of screens and quick passes that the Colts were doing. There was not a lot of run after the catch, which is what they like to do a lot w- with, like a guy like Naheem Hines. So I thought it was a really interesting, uh, really creative uh, adjustment that Wink made for for this week and and for this game plan. So. He definitely des- deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, the players that deserve a lot of credit for that for just being in Zoom meetings, you know, there are a ton of very key guys just sitting in Zoom meetings, not able to practice, but to pull it off uh, against them uh, was was pretty impressive. Yeah, that definitely adds to that whole wrinkle of the Zoom meeting, the fact that they were playing a good bit of cover, too, because as you said, that's not where, the, you know, you think of cover, too, you think about those Bucks teams or when... Mm-hmm. Dungey went to the Colts or or whatever, but you know that's definitely not Ravens football. So that's I mean for better or worse, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but it's just surprising. Yeah, yeah, it was a really nice adjustment for this um, for this opponent. 
Now that's on film too, so offense has got to worry about that as well. Um, really nice adjustment by by Wink. Really yep. nice adjustments in the second half by Greg Roman. So I think they did a great job uh, last week. Wink pretty much for the whole game. You know, there were some drives where you looked a little Swiss cheesy on defense, but you know that's going to happen against NFL offenses. But uh, the second half by by Roman in, in uh, on the offensive side was pretty masterful in my mind. So. Really good job by both of those guys earning their paychecks for sure. Now let me let's keep talking about Greg Roman a little bit. Um, Lamar Jackson this week uh, went on Rich Eisen's show and um, you know was asked you know what's different about this year's offense and he's had some comments but the one that stood out was uh, something and I'm par- paraphrasing here but something to the effect that uh, defenses kind of know what's coming with the Ravens offense. Now, it sparked some concern. It sparked uh, some discussion uh, amongst uh, Ravens fans and national media and things like that. But what's what's your take on that? You know, when the defense knows what an offense is going to do. I mean, generally, it's 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 probably much ado about nothing because, as Greg Roman responded with, and other people have said, look, if if defenders are doing their due diligence like Ed Reed and Ray Lewis used to do. They're going to be calling out the plays at the line of scrimmage. J.J. Watt, I'm sure, does it. I'm sure all the elite defenders that are out there that, I mean, shoot, Calais Campbell and some of the Ravens defenders, Chuck Clark, for example, I bet you he's calling out plays on defense of the other team. So, I mean, that that happens. Where you get concerned is – you know, now it's time for us to see the Ravens' offense adjust some. You know, where's the, you know, do they just say, forget it, we're just going to do whatever the hell we want and do it our way and, and continue to do it, which I guess is admirable. But at some point, the NFL will stop you. So how good will Roman and that Ravens' offense be at adjusting? So far... It hasn't been great, but also so far, you know, we haven't seen the Ravens offense of last year until the second half of this game with the Colts. So, I mean, it's going to we're just going to have to see how this continues to progress. I mean, if if, you know, if the second half of last week ends up being an aberration, then maybe it's more of a problem than than we may want to give it give credence to it at this point. Yeah, uh, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, you know, I guess the, what what I thought of was a couple years ago, the Panthers were playing at the Packers and, uh, you know, they were right on the Panthers were on offense right at the goal line um, and ready to go. And then Clay Matthews yells out and it got picked up by the sound that, you know, hey, it's that wheel route with McCaffrey. It's the wheel route. And then Cam Newton says. Oh, you've been watching film too, huh? Watch this. And then he starts to run the wheel route, and it and it turns into an option uh, for him to cut inside. And, you know, they score a touchdown anyway, right? So on one mm-hmm. end, the defense knew exactly what was going to happen. The offense knew that the defense knew exactly what was going to happen, and they were able to adjust. Like you said, there was an adjustment there. So are you able to adjust? The other thing is, the other thing that I thought of is, like, Tony Romo calls out plays all the time on a broadcast. All the time. Right? And, you know, he's not getting 
like I assume he's not getting the same real time information that defensive coaches and players are getting on the sideline. And they're spending so much time in these meetings going over film and, and things like that. So, you know, they're going to know they're going to catch on to some tendencies, whether it is the formation, whether it is the down and distance, you know, one of the plays I will say, you know, referring back to the Steelers game was that fourth and two or fourth and three at the end of the game where you go uh, empty set and it's the Lamar run. That is a uh, tendency thing, right? They knew that was going to happen as soon as it was fourth and relatively short and it was an empty set, uh, you know, nobody in the backfield with Lamar. Everybody knew it's a tendency thing. But for the rest of that game, if anybody knows the Ravens' tendencies and Greg Roman's tendencies uh, well, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Ravens still ran for 260 yards. They threw for over 200 yards, and you know they kind of kind of beat that defense up pretty good. So it's going to happen. You're going to know what the deal is uh, as a defense. You're going to have some inkling of what the offense is going to do. Like you said, how does the offense adjust and still beat you? The thing that I might have a problem with, uh, which might be a concern, is now this is two straight weeks that a young offensive star has kind of taken a dig at the offensive coaching staff. Um, that might be a concern, I guess. you know, That's Hollywood more of my Lamar. concern, I think, than yeah. anything. And not to butt in here, but I mean, that's sort of what I was getting at. You know, it's like the fall of Greg Roman in his previous stops, whether that be San Francisco or Buffalo. I think those are the two main places he's been. You know, it, it, a lot of player discontent seems to be happening before finally he's let go. So, I mean, I hopefully, you know, he's able to figure things out. Look, John Harbaugh is usually able to figure things out. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, you think about you think about Colin Kaepernick, and and he is a great comparison to Lamar as a quarterback. You know, coming in hot, being able to you know run around, do playing the pistol, all that stuff. And you know, granted, he he hopefully isn't as talented as Lamar, and that's why you know Lamar won an MVP and will hopefully continue to progress in his career. Where Kaepernick Kaepernick didn't, of course, prior to the other stuff. But um, I don't know. I, I I just really hope that that this isn't the start of a downfall for Greg Roman. And maybe yeah, that's my overreaction not. of the week. We're mm-hmm. going to call that my overreaction of the week, quite frankly. Because okay. I was going to go with some other things. But I think that's my overreaction of the week. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I, that's a really good one. That's a really good one. That is that is a concern in the back of my mind for sure. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, the Patriots. Uh, m- maybe before we move on to the Patriots, let, let's uh, close up our, our week nine recap with our our um, segments here. Let's talk about a game ball. Good things. Happy thoughts here. Game ball for week nine. Who do you got? You know, I, I guess I'll, I'll go with uh, Malik Harrison. I mean, you know, leading the team in tackles, his first big 
big uh, defensive performance, I think, for the Ravens. I think you can probably say that. Um, so he gets my game ball for this week. How about you? Yeah, that's a good one. I'm going to stay on the defensive side of the ball with Marcus Peters, enforcing the two big uh, turnovers. I think both of them kind of led to, uh, you know, they were kind of momentum-shifting plays uh, for the Ravens. And, you know, one more thing that I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit is did this kind of feel like a, a momentum-shifting game overall for you? You know, to go on the road and get a team against, get a win against a pretty good team. Uh, Marcus Peters has an interception. You know, you have key turnovers. It could scores. be. I mean, the fact that the offense played as well as it did in the second half. But the key is going to be if the Ravens can't follow that up this week against New England, then, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, quite frankly. But. You know, I, I see what you're saying for sure. There are definitely some elements where we could potentially look back and go, okay, well, after that difficult, you know, difficult game against the Steelers and losing Stanley and blah, 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 you know, and hey, we came back and the off. I mean, you know, you start thinking about that. You know, I always, I always call it the, you know, Super Bowl season recap video, you know, with the voiceover guy. And he's like, and the Ravens were able to come back strong, you know, and that whole, mm-hmm. or that HBO inside the NFL voiceover, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, I, I, I see what you're saying for sure. I, I got some vibes of like last year's Seattle game. Um, you know, good team going on the road. Um, some demons uh, that we had this year was that we've never won in Indianapolis. You know, obviously you have to deal with Seattle's 12th man while you're there. You got a big performance from the defense. Um, you know, Lamar makes the plays that he has to make. The offense kind of picks up the slack in the second half. I, I got I got some vibes from from that game, and I think that uh, you know it's I, I, in that sense you know that was kind of the crux of last season in my mind you know that fourth and two conversion for you know hell yeah coach let's go for it like that was to me a tipping point in the season for the positive uh, i think that i got some vibes like that about this game as well and there wasn't really one specific play like that uh that i had in mind but um you know just just the just the offensive perform- yeah, performance just the, in the second half team performance and yeah it was definitely I mean, the fact that they were able to come back and then pound it, you know, and, you know, get back to Ravens football, all that. I mean, I definitely, definitely can see that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that was our game ball. We got Millie Harrison and Marcus Peters. Uh, pop of the week. Who do you got? Um, you know, I, I'm going to have uh, the sound, and, and I have to give credit where credit is due. You really came up with this one, but I, I've got to go with it because it was too good. But the sound of uh, Philip Rivers hitting the turf during <laughs> uh, Chuck Clark's uh, return for the touchdown, that was, you know, and, and, you, and you described it better than I did. You really should have just taken this. But So how did you put it exactly? I was going to say Chuck Clark popped over Philip Rivers on his return with the hurdle. Um, I mean, that was such an awesome play. They just looked so funny. Philip Rivers, obviously, probably a far, far superior athlete than I will ever hope to be. 
but uh, that just looked really funny. So uh, now the other thing on the flip side of that, we could also go with the Colts player who tackled Nick Boyle when he tried to hurdle him and just got mm. totally destroyed. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that could probably be the pop of the week as well. To be fair. Yep, for sure. And then mine was going to be the manager's block on Lamar Jackson's touchdown run. He just drove a defender like ten yards uh, down the field, and in the in the end zone, ended up just pancaking him. So uh, he gets my pop of the week for that block. Well, you know, deserved. it's interesting. Uh, last week we kind of referred to Nick Boyle as maybe not the most dangerous receiving threat, and he comes out and leads the team in receiving. And we say that yeah, Mark Andrews is. Uh, Improving as a blocker, but he's not like at Hearst level yet. And then he comes out with with a uh, highlight reel pancake. And if you haven't seen that one yet, uh, make sure you watch uh, Lamar's touchdown highlight uh, again. And you can see uh, Andrews doing his thing. Okay, so let's see. You went with your overreaction of the week. I'm going to save mine for later because I just came up with a good one. But let's move on to week 10. Ravens travel to New England to take on a very different look New England Patriots team on Sunday night football. Let's start with this. Do you have the same thoughts on Sunday night football as you do on Monday night football? It's not my favorite because I let's face it, I'm old now and it's Monday the next day. So, you know, but I, I like it, certainly like it better than, than Monday night football. No questions asked. I would I would take I, you know, cause especially because to me, if you're going to, like, look at a game as, like, the premier game of the weekend, it is Sunday Night Football because it's the game that everybody's, like, been watching TV and then, oh, it leads up to this game. You know, it's not like, shit, I got to wait for the next day to watch the game I want to watch, <laughs> you know. So, you know, if for the people that... You know, I guess this doesn't in this age of COVID, this doesn't make any sense anymore. But I think about when I used to go out to, you know, the bars with my friends to watch football all day. And, you know, by the time the night game came, it's like you're like, all right, let's go. Now, of course, that depends on how many pitchers of beer you've had at that point. But, you know, it's still it to me was more of a event game than than Monday night football. Yeah, I feel like Monday Night Football may have lost a little bit of luster. I think a lot of luster. Recently. Uh, I think Monday not... Night Football is Thursday Night Football's bastard child. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's a strong statement. I don't know. Okay, that might be my yeah, reaction no, week. I don't know if I even statement. believe that. I don't know if I actually believe that <laughs> statement. But, but still, I mean, they both suck. Let's put it that way. Yeah, okay. I, I, I had a feeling that was gonna be your, your feeling anyway. But um Well at least yeah, no, I mean game. I mean Thursday and Monday. I mean Sunday's fine. Okay. Sunday yeah. night. But you know, Thursday and Monday both suck. But Sunday night's fine. I mean it's it's you know, it it's more of a person I'd rather not be up late kind of a situation, but that's just because I'm old. Well, yeah, me neither. Uh I would rather just have a game at one, but yeah. And actually, I don't mind four o'clock games either. I mean, four four is great. You know, that's cool. Um, but you know, especially if that means we have a good uh, announcing crew. You know, yeah. But, um, you know, if we had Romo every week, so you know, we got them at four. You know, so we were the game of the week, or you know, we became that. You know, Aikman era, or you know, Steve Young era. 
Cowboys and 49ers that were always on, you know, at four o'clock all the time, every week, no matter what on Fox, if we get to that point where the Ravens are that team and we get the, you know, the Tony Romo treatment on CBS, then great. I'll take four o'clock every day of the week. But, but yeah, I definitely prefer afternoon to evening if I can get it. Yeah. Speaking of four o'clock, there are a ton of four o'clock games this week. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, either four oh five or four twenty five starts. And usually it's like two wow. or three. Yeah. Is that just because of are they West Coast cities or are um, there just a lot of home games and yeah, there's time three zone? there's three West Coast hosts, it's the Raiders, Cardinals, and Rams. Uh, but otherwise it's all at Miami, at New Orleans, at Pittsburgh. So hmm. interesting. Yeah. But very, very cool either way. Yeah. Okay, let's get to the game. One, one yeah. more thing before we get to the game. <laughs> okay. And I, I know this is going to be random, but I, and maybe this is just me, but I feel like this is the first Ravens-Colts game in a while that hasn't, you know, the whole angst of the Colts and everything else. I mean, it was talked about, but it was not really... I think finally the Ravens are truly becoming Baltimore's football team. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to say yeah. they weren't, but I think it's finally becoming an afterthought. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, the, the Ravens have their own roots now. It's not, uh, yeah. you know, there's not as much remembering uh, the Colts and like the. I mean, sadly, a lot of those people are dying. I mean, sadly, that's a, a big reason It is an older it. crowd, yeah, for sure. You know, but, um, you know, especially the the people that, you know, witnessed the, the 58 championship and all that stuff, you know, but, um, you know, it, 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 it's just interesting. Just sidebar comment. We don't need to, we don't need to belabor the point. I just found that interesting. Yeah, no, I agree. It, it was very noticeably uh, less ballyhoo this year about it. I think it, I think it means more when the Ravens when they play in Baltimore because they put Indy on the scoreboard. Uh, yeah, they, they do all that kind of stuff. Maybe maybe it's a bigger deal because of that. But um, yeah, yeah, definitely less attention on that this year. And uh, of course, anyway, you know, my other onto the, other... the Patriots, the other team we like to hate. Yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, bitter rivals this month. I feel Pittsburgh, yeah. the Colts, the Patriots. Pittsburgh again, the Titans. Yeah. Oh God, this is a month yeah. of teams that I hate. Yeah, it's like all of them, right? Who else? The Chiefs. Just I guess. About. I really yeah. hate the Chiefs. I can't. I mean, I. You know, I, I. They're. They're a team that will probably grow to hate, but I can't say that I hate them now. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um. You know, I guess the more that we play them and. The more contentious that matchup gets, that will probably grow. But, you know, the Titan, you know, my hate for the Titans has never left from back in the, you know, the 2000 era teams. And, you know, the, of course, the Steelers. And I just, I don't have that same hatred for the Browns and the the Bengals. I mean, not that I ever root for them, but I'm never like, oh, God, those damn Bengals and Browns, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um. Just trying to think if there are any other teams I really despise. I mean, I always, I hate the Cowboys. It has nothing to do with the Ravens or the Washington football team, you know. But 
Um, so yeah, that's pretty much. I can't think of anybody else that that would be the the hated matchup, really. I mean, maybe the Raiders. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I. I I don't know. Not really. I mean, we had that one big playoff matchup. That's about it. Yeah, we don't really see them all that often. Yeah. But yeah, well, either way, the the hatred continues uh, on the road in New England. Go to Foxborough. Different look. Patriots team, like I mentioned, they got Cam Newton at quarterback. Um, A lot of guys on their defense opted out. They had some injuries. Uh, They are three and five, which is just a very strange sight to see next to uh, the Patriots logo. Uh, they barely squeaked out a win against the Joe Flacco-led Jets. Um, man, what are we looking at here? It, it, is it? I mean, of course you can't overlook a Belichick coach team, right? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how you have to look at it. I mean, it's, they're scrappy in the Belichick kind of way. You know, if Cam has a good game, you know, they they could do some stuff. You know, I they're a weird team this year. I don't really know what to make of the Patriots. I mean, I don't think they're a, necessarily a good team, but they're a weird team. Yeah, they're yeah they're weird uh, because they do have some nice wins, uh, but then you know they they've lost five times, and um, you know Cam Newton is not the same guy that he was uh, prior to him getting coronavirus. Uh, you know, I thought he started out really hot this year and, you know, hasn't really done the same uh, other than the second half of last game. So, uh, now let me ask lot- you something. Has that, are, are people really tying that to coronavirus? I, no. I don't. Oh, okay. I just wasn't sure if that was, because I, I didn't think he had any sort of major um, complications from it. So I was, I, but it, no, that is an interesting benchmark though, to look at. It's just me go, going well, for a headline. Yeah. But, but still though, I mean, it's an interesting, I mean, certainly we're two guys that are just talking shit on a podcast, but <laughs> it, it is an interesting thing to yes. look at to, to, to just down the road say, huh, how did that? Because and and I'm thinking more about life than about football. Just because, if, especially if he was a player that um, doesn't have symptoms, and there's the whole, you know, all the people that they're asymptomatic but still had COVID, um, to see if it really did impact him physically, some way, athletically would be interesting. I'm not sure there'd be any way for us to really empirically point to something and say hey that's it but i don't know it's an interesting observation so i'll just leave yeah. it there yeah i mean like right before he played really well against the seahawks and they lost that game but he had almost like 400 yards passing and it just like you know hasn't really been the same since you know even even against the jets you know i guess he had you know 275 but it, just looking at that number but you know i guess yards is the most important thing it just hasn't seemed the same. Uh, he, again, similar to the Steelers and the Colts, don't not as many deep shots down the field um, this season. You know, more short throws, 
uh, intermediate throws and get some uh, after the catch ability. You know, he has, uh, you know, not the scariest wide receivers on his team. Um, the running backs are, you know, down to Damian Harris and Rex Burkhead, who, who are actually both pretty good. I thought that they ran the ball pretty effectively against the Jets. Um, I think I wanted Damian Harris. Wasn't he the kid from Alabama? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Alabama. And he, he looked pretty good coming out of the draft. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, they have 16 guys on their injury report. Um, you know, Stefan Gilmore hasn't practiced this week. You know, he's obviously their best player. Um, uh, you know, J.C. Jackson is another corner that they have. He's a Maryland guy, uh, which is fun to see him doing well as an undrafted free agent. Um, they're, I mean, they're hurt. They're, like, not that talented. But you can't ignore them because their head coach is Bill Belichick. There is no matchup that I think the Ravens lose in this in this game. I can't think of one. For like a head-to-head that uh, the Patriots are, are better off than the Ravens are. But, you know, just going on the road and playing against Bill Belichick is, is you know, yeah. something that you can uh, never going ignore. going to Foxborough, you, you can't. I mean, this is the coach that, I mean, you talk about teams with talent. I mean, that the team that he led to the first Super Bowl win against the Rams was so outclassed in the talent section it was out of control i mean but they had the will and the fire and belichick and all that brady's magic and blah 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 but you know i mean so there's definitely that mystique factor that we've always got to watch out for when you're playing the patriots and you're going to foxborough yeah that said i expect the ravens to win this game handedly yeah yeah i agree it's just very interesting like the way that they've been playing you know they they play what they play well to beat Miami to start the season. They play well but lose to Seattle. They play well to beat the Raiders, who are the only team to beat the Chiefs this year. Uh, then they play really bad and lose to Denver. They play really really bad and lose to a hurt 49ers team. Uh, they hang in there with a Buffalo team that was probably not playing their best, and then they beat uh, a really bad Jets team at the last second. This is just not that good of a team. It's just not, you know, no. there's an aura about uh, about the New England Patriots uh, that a is lot of maybe that kind of a hangover. Crazy, though. I mean, let's yep. face it, as, as good as Bill Belichick is as a coach, I mean, a lot of the mystique was Tom Brady. I mean, and and being able to stop him from coming back at any point and winning the game. I mean, he seemed to plug a lot of talent gaps, is what yeah. it seems like. Um, he made and, and this the difference team is, between Tom Brady and Joe Flacco is that, I mean, of many things, but is that Tom Brady would have made Mark Clayton a Pro Bowl wide receiver. Well, I mean, he did it with, you with know what West. I mean? Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and, and look, I, of course, we also didn't see Mark Clayton go to New England and do anything. But but, I, you know, I guess my point is, you know, he, you know, Troy Brown. I mean, some of these players that he had, I mean, Wes Welker, as good as he has been for the Patriots and as good as he was initially, I guess, really for the Dolphins, you know, before he got traded. I mean, he was still I mean, that was I mean. 
he he turned into a ridiculous player, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you look at uh, what's his nose, who's there still? Um, Edelman. Edelman, thank you. The Wes Welker clone, you know. I mean, these are not physical specimens that are, you know, somehow have become number one wide receivers because of Tom Brady. I will say the guy that the Ravens need to watch out for uh, in the passing game is Jacoby Myers. And he is by by far uh, Cam Newton's favorite receiver. He had 12 catches for 169 yards uh, against the Jets. Uh, he is just a, a reception machine. But um, even him, you know, he's he's the guy that's going to that's going to be challenging in the passing game. But. Uh, when you consider who we have in the secondary, uh, you know, you, you get a little bit less concerned there. But, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's there are just talent holes on this Patriots team. And um, like we said, this is a game that the Ravens should win. Um I think we're maybe a little bit more confident now than we were before the season in predicting this game, just seeing how things have kind of played out. But uh, maybe let's let's get into a maybe the bulletin board and a prediction. Let's see you. I'll I'll let you go first in bulletin board. Sure. I'm going to go. I'm going to give some bulletin board material to Greg Roman. Um, mostly because of, you know, kind of the smack that's been talked about him the past two weeks by his two young stars. Uh, he needs to go out there and, and really call a, a really good game. He called a great second half against the Colts. Uh, if he can come out and call another good game and get his young weapons involved and keep the Patriots defense on their heels, um, I think the I think the talk will kind of quiet down a little bit. So despite him doing his job really effectively uh, in the past two weeks, I, I feel, uh, or maybe the past week and a half, um, the pressure's on. Like he's he has to go out there and, and do his job really well now because otherwise everybody is going to come back next week and say like, oh yeah, every, of course everybody knows what the Ravens' offense is going to do. You know, Greg Roman stinks. Like you can see it coming from a mile away. He doesn't get Hollywood Brown involved. Mark Andrews has barely touched the ball. That is going to be the talk of the town. So that is why the pressure is on Greg Roman. So I'm giving him some bulletin board material to nip that in the bud and get a big win in New England. I love it. Well, you know, we were talking about earlier about how important depth is, but not just depth, deep depth, giving our young players a chance to play, giving them that chance or to to shine a little bit before we really need them to step in and make plays and that's the the hopefully the silver lining of seeing some of our 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 vets like uh Calais Campbell or an LJ Fort you know they miss a game or two maybe three or four but their backups come in they get some significant snaps hopefully they start playing well and hopefully that benefits us down the line with rotation and keeping everyone fresh and everything that you need going into the playoffs. So my bulletin board material goes to all those young players. We have those draft classes of the last few years that are sitting on the bench and they're getting ready to perform. They are just, you can, you can see it. They're all foaming at the mouth, ready to just step up and get crazy 
and and send the Ravens to the next level. So they're on the bulletin board for me this week because they need to continue to perform and give us that deep depth that takes us to the Super Bowl. All right. Very well said. I like that a lot. Um, so let's get into prediction time. Ravens at Patriots Monday night or Sunday night football. Ravens are favored by six and a half. Um, and the over under is set at 41 and a half. What do you think here? I think we hold them without a touchdown, but it ends up being 24 to 12. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go 27 17. So I got the over and the Ravens covering. Um, maybe some garbage time points is what I'm looking forward to there. Um, I, I do think that the Ravens will handle business on the road. Uh, you know, there's not going to be that huge home field advantage, as you guys know by now, but um, the state of Massachusetts has already limited uh, at attendees at Patriots games and at, at live sports events. So it's not going to be as crazy as usual. I think the Ravens go in and handle business. Now, my I have one more thing I just learned today, and it's going to be my overreaction of the week, is that uh, Mark Andrews, my guy, the Mandrews, and Wawa partnered up for a virtual autograph uh, session on mm-hmm. Tuesday, uh, Tuesday the 17th. And there's a sweepstakes. Uh, you had to get selected to get into this virtual event, and your boy got selected. So no way. Yeah, yeah, I got picked, which was nice. Um, so my overreaction of the week is that that's going to be awesome, even though I don't know how what a uh, virtual autograph. Well, I session have a couple is. questions here. So what the hell is a virtual autograph session? That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. No idea. Secondarily, Wawa is. Coaching Ravens players away yeah. from Royal Farms. Royal I mean, Farms, that to yeah. me is the uh, you know burying the lead here. I mean, I love your uh, I love your virtual autograph session, but I'm I'm shocked and appalled. In some respect that Justin Tucker doesn't have uh, the Mandrews eating Royal Farms chicken. That's a that's a great point. That's a great point. I didn't consider that. Uh, I mean, the, the convenience store battles over the Ravens roster is going to be epic. I mean, who does Sheets go after? I, I mean, who does Highs go after? I mean, Highs, highs you know, highs still in business? only Ricky Williams were still in the Ravens. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure who you'd point at, maybe, maybe Judon. Um, are, they, but, are they still in business? Hi, I think so. I mean, there there's a smattering still. Okay. I and and I didn't I didn't even realize that there were Wawas in in Baltimore or Maryland oh, yeah. in general. Yeah, they're they they have they have creeped in. I have a Wawas not far from me, right here on uh, Joppa Road here in Towson. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well. Either way, I'll, I'll let you guys know how that is when we record next week. Yeah, but, please. We're, yeah, we're gonna have I have to no get idea the uh, virtual full understanding of what is. the yeah the 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 uh, re- what what is it now a remote autograph session a virtual autograph session virtual. with March Mark Andrews uh, sponsored by Wawa. Okay. So yeah, no idea what that means or what that's going to entail, but it's on Tuesday. I'm excited for it, even though I don't know what it is. 
Uh, let's just hope that Mark Andrews is also excited for it, but not too excited that he lo- overlooks this game. Uh, but he is a consummate professional. Of course, he won't do that. Oh, of course not. You can yeah. ask him about it during the the virtual autograph session. I will. Actually, I will. here's what I want out of the virtual autograph session is for you to get him to join the podcast. I'm going to try. Exclusive one-on-one or two-on-one. Well, I mean, let's let's be real. I want to double team with the managers if we get him on here. But anyway, um, oh. keeping it clean, I, yeah. you need to make that happen. I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out if yeah I, I'm gonna try I'm gonna try for sure. I I don't know exactly my tact yet, but uh, it's gonna have to be it's gonna have to be a good approach and uh, yeah good luck yeah uh, yeah I have a few days to figure it out. But your uh, co-host and all of our fans out there in, in the podcast world are are really hoping you get that done. Pressure's on. I'm on the, the pressure board. is on. Um. Yeah. Okay. Say, hey, I'm man, gonna do it. If you if you like these virtual autograph sessions, how would you like to be uh, included in a virtual podcast recording? Yeah. I mean, if, he can't any, say no to that. Yeah. I mean, God, if you put it that way, I mean, now everybody understands why I'm single. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. So we can't pay you. Uh, you might not have that much fun, but we're like pretty decent guys. Yeah, like we're good dudes. I have your He's jersey. Got his jersey. I mean, come on. My name yeah, is Andrew. <laughs> there you go. What else is there? Right? What else is there? You Man, could introduce right. yourself as Mark. He's got not going to know any better. You know, I mean, hey. Oh, my gosh. You're right. We could call I, ourselves I the Mark and yet. Andrew show, and then we get him on. I mean, he doesn't have to know it. We can, then we can, you know, record the crab takes and football part later. Oh my goodness! All right, all right. This is uh, we we've gone off the rails here. I apologize, people. No, this Stupid is good. Joke. This is good. No, this is good. I I'm I'm think so? okay. definitely so. definitely considering so. telling him that my name is Mark and that my podcast co-host is named Andrew, and that we need him on. I mean, that would be awesome. I think he should probably do that. I think we should. All right, man. Well, I'm gonna keep cooking on that plan. Um, do you want to sign us off here? Well, you know, I, I, I hope, uh, everyone, uh, has some relief from the, the craziness of the last few weeks. And not only that, but the Ravens are looking a little bit more positive after at least my negativity of last week. So I'm looking forward to, uh, Hopefully some some good Foxborough memories ahead. So here's to uh, another hopefully big win for the Ravens against the Patriots on Sunday. So one more time, let's go Ravens.